think most people um, have heard Pastor Andy before, but if you're new and you've never heard Pastor Andy Elms, he leads Family Church, which is a, a group of churches. He's an apostolic leader, and he is a very influential minister, both in this country and, and other nations. And we've been... Um, the recipients of the grace that God has placed in his life for many years. And as a, as a leadership, Pastor Andrew and I really honor who you are and what God has placed in you. We really are so grateful for your friendship and your sowing into our lives and to the vision of this church, this local church. And he believes in the local church. And that's why we feel so at one with him and with the word and the spirit. And so uh, yesterday, if you, ha if you weren't there, which I, I know loads of you weren't, um, please, we're going to make it available. Do listen up. It's one of the, we laughed till we cried. You might have a smile on your face while you're listening to the word today. But it's, the message was powerful. So you will receive something fresh from the Lord. But there's something for you this morning. So let's welcome Pastor Andy as he comes and brings God's message for us. Oh, praise God. Thank you very much. And thank you, Pastor Judith and uh, Pastor Andrea. It's great to be with you, joy to be with you. Welcome to those who are here and welcome to those online. Um, you know, this is our whole new way of doing life now, isn't it, eh? And, um, you know, if you're sitting at home right now with a hot chocolate, we're thinking of you. <laughs> if you're there in your pyjamas, just snuggled up on the couch, watching church and doing churches, we love you and we send love to you today, right there in your home. But to everyone else... We send love to you also. Brilliant. It's a joy to be with you. We had a powerful day yesterday and uh, just loved the oneness of heart that was amongst the leaders. And I really sense that you're coming into this next season strong. We spoke yesterday about understanding what season we're in and not living in former seasons, but living, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? We want to be living in the perceptions of what we know God is doing now not in the memories of what we may have come through. And uh, we were challenging the church yesterday, so make sure you listen to that, that teaching on there. And um, the good news is, yep, for everybody at home also, I know that's going to be sent to you as well. And, uh, well, praise the Lord. It's great to be here. had a good couple of days with your leadership and um, really good fellowship with your pastors last night over a curry that was exceptionally good. And, um, yep, it's all good, isn't it, eh? Good people. God's house, great leaders, nice curry, just, just, come on, it just keeps getting better, it just keeps on getting better, praise God. Well, I want to talk to you today about the thought of removing deficit from your life, and uh, I'm going to talk very much from my journal this morning, because this is stuff that I've been journeying with the Lord, and when I was talking to your pastors, um, they were saying that they would be really keen for me to just share some of this stuff. We were just chatting yesterday, and uh, so it's coming quite raw from my journal, but I've been looking recently that if there's deficit in my life, and God says there shouldn't be, I want the removal of the deficit. Now, we need to understand what deficit is. According to the dictionary, it says deficit is the opposite to surplus. 
Now, God has promised us an abundance, amen, not a deficit. So when we understand the word deficit, it means the opposite to sur surplus, and it's uh, synonymous with having a shortfall or less than what you need. It's the amount by which something does not match or have enough. So when we look at examples of deficit, we could use finances, couldn't we? Say that you needed £1,000 to reach a certain budget every month, but you only had £700 coming in. You have a shortfall or a deficit of, it's not hard, is it, 300 So we understand deficit in our finances. And also in our health, we could understand deficit. But if we want to be fit enough to win a race in a minute, and um, we don't win it in a minute, we win it in 10 minutes, there's a deficit in our health. And we need to look at the deficit in our health to get the result that we need. So there's many examples of what a deficit could be in our health, in our budgets. But also I think sometimes in our spirituality, I don't know about you, if I can just be honest today, sometimes I find within the walk that God has told me to experience a deficit. Is that too honest? But sometimes, you know, remember deficit is this, that when there's a gap between something that should be or needs to be and that which actually is. Now I hope this gives you hope today that even leaders sometimes find a deficit. But wait a moment, God. This is what your word says I should be experiencing. Yet my current life experience is this. And there's a gap or a shortfall between what your word says I should be experiencing and what I currently am. And I'm too honest of a man to ignore it. So I'm going to talk to you, Lord, about this. Because I know that you don't want me to experience deficit in my life. You don't want me to experience greed, but your word speaks prosperity over my life, not just in finances, but in all things, that I would prosper in my soul and in my life and in all things. Amen? But sometimes I think we can humbly, by mistake, ignore deficits instead of look at them and say, why is there a deficit? Now let me give you an example, sometimes, this may just be me and forgive me if it is, but sometimes I read the word and I'm like, I know that's your promise Lord, and I know that you're faithful to your promise Lord, but actually I'm not experiencing fully what you said I could. Deficit. Now an example of this is when I read these incredible verses, like just for an example, grabbing 2 Corinthians 9 verses 8 to 11. When I read those verses, it says that he is able to bless me out of his grace, which is unmerited, undeserved favour, not according to works, but according to his goodness, that he can um, abundantly bless me so that in all things, at all times, I have all sufficiency for all I need. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. But that's not always my life experience. Sometimes I have just enough. Sometimes I don't have enough. Anybody else? But yet, then I read the word, and it says that he can make all grace abound towards me, that in all things, at all times, for every matter. And then it just keeps getting better. It says that I am to be enriched by him in every way, so that my life is able to be generous 
on every occasion, any opportunity, I can respond and go, I have the means, I have a full barn because he's made me rich in every way. Here's another opportunity to be generous, yet, to be honest, sometimes that's not my experience. Sometimes I can only do what I can and not what I want. Sometimes my generosity is limited by my current ability. And I can give, but not like I'd like to give. So, okay. We've got to look at this. That Sometimes there's a deficit. But we know that God is still God and the problem can't be with him. Because he's faithful, infallible. He's true to his word. He never fails. Which means the problem could be with me the way I'm thinking or how I'm acting. Because it's not God's problem. And sometimes, you know when you take your old car to the garage and they say it's not working correctly and you say, well, what's wrong with it? And sometimes they say, well, we'd love to give you a straight answer but it could be a number of things. I think sometimes in our lives when there's a deficit, it can't be absolutely one thing all the time. Sometimes it can be a number of things and the Holy Spirit wants to lead us to an understanding of what's causing a current deficit between what the Word declares is yours to know from the heart of the Father and that which you're currently experiencing in which you find and feel a shortfall. Right? Because deficit is not having enough. Yet God promises abundance. Now this isn't a financial message, this is a life message. So I looked at some of the things that could cause deficit in our life. It's not God, because he fails not. His word certain, heaven and earth will pass away. His word of God endures forever. He's faithful to his word, faithfulness is his name. So sometimes it can be a matter of faith and unbelief. Sometimes we could be in deficit because we're not walking in faith but we're walking in unbelief. What if the fishermen heard the, the, um, Jesus say to them, cast your nets on the other side, when they'd been fishing all night, what if they didn't believe that there could be fish because he said there would be? What if they responded out of unbelief, you're a carpenter, we're a fisherman, you stick to chairs, we'll catch the fish. And they never went and put the net on the other side, there wouldn't have been a fish, there would have been a deficit, but God had said what would happen. So unbelief can sometimes create deficit in our lives. Sometimes obedience and disobedience. Jonah was a picture of disobedience. God said this is what is going to happen, but it didn't happen because Jonah went in disobedience over here instead of being in obedience and going over here. So what God said he was going to do was affected by the positioning of a person walking in disobedience. So sometimes disobedience, sometimes unbelief, can cause a deficit between what we're reading in the Word, the revealed Word of God, and the experience of our life. And sometimes, I've learned in my life, it can be a matter of time and process. Sometimes there's a deficit in my current experience because I'm currently on a journey towards what God promised he would do, but it's not the moment, it's meant to happen yet. Who's our example of that? Joseph. I'm sure Joseph walked around like we were sharing yesterday in the prison saying, there is a big deficit. 
between the dream that I was given. I'm sure he walked around the pit going, I know God's not a liar and I know he gave me that dream that even my brothers would bow down to me, I'd be a prime minister of a nation, but I'm looking at the walls of a pit, another moment, I'm looking at the walls of a prison, there is, if we can all be honest, a massive current deficit between what I know the word of God has said about me and the current experience of my life. But I also believe another thing can cause deficit because the Lord answered my question when I prayed. Recently when I was praying, I said, Lord, I want every deficit in my life removed. Where there's something in my life that doesn't match with what your word has promised me. I don't want to be able to respond as I can. I want to be in a place where I can respond like I want to. I want to be the generous man and have the ability to be the generous man because you get praised through my generosity according to these verses. So I'm going to get you more praised and have fun being generous. But there's a deficit, but I'm not happy to let that remain. So show me if it's disobedience. Show me if it's unbelief. Show me if I'm in a moment on the route to somewhere. And the Lord answered my prayer. Do you know what he said to me? Andy, the deficit or what's causing some of the deficit is your mouth. The words you're speaking are creating a deficit because they're not the words that I'm speaking. I'm speaking my word into your life, but your daily confession is different words. There's a deficit created in your life because your mouth is out of control and you're not watching your mouth like you once did. Now, I'm not speaking about filthy language. I'm speaking about allowing negative words to come from the mouth that stand in disagreement to the words that God has spoken even though you've not yet seen the manifestation of. Now, I know you're not a stranger to these concepts because your pastors are incredible uh, women of faith. They really are. But it's amazing when the Lord began to speak to me how I suddenly owned up, I've always found that's the best policy, and said, you know what, God, you're probably right. (laughs) Probably right. I'm speaking to the Omni. You're probably right, you know. And he says, you're so funny, aren't you? You're so quirky, Andy. I felt the Lord say that to me recently. You're really quirky. You know, I said, well, you made me quirky. So thank you. Let's just enjoy my quirkiness together. Because I started to look at, actually, the confession of my mouth wasn't the declaration of his truth. In some things but not in things pertaining the areas where I was currently in deficit. I was speaking what I was experiencing, not what he promised he'd do. And he's been speaking to me very, 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 um, in a great way, I love it. If I want to remove deficit from my life, a part of removing deficit is, is I need a fresh commitment to master the mouth. Because the mouth is so powerful... And it releases things. Now, again, this is an old teaching, isn't it? 
your confession. He's the high priest of our confession. When the Lord began to speak to me about this, all of the things I'd learned over 30 years of ministry come rushing back into my life. And I sat there going, oh my goodness, why did I forget that? Why did I get out of the habit of doing this? Why did I get out of the habit of things I learned in faith camp and different Bible things I was in years ago where I came before your altar and said, Lord, forgive me for not having words in alignment with your truth. But we do because sometimes we know, but we don't know as we ought. And now you know that's one of my favourite verses. 1 Corinthians 8 verse 2. Let the person who says they know, let them know they don't know as they ought. It's easy to respond today, oh I know that we need to have words that are in alignment with what God's saying over our lives. But here's the thought, do you speak that way? Because if you don't, you know but you don't know as you ought. How do you know if you know as you ought? Because you're living in the good of what you say you know and you're doing the things that you say you know to do. So I felt the Lord reminded me and I just wanted to encourage you again today that we need to in this time of uncertainty naturally around us, in a time where a lot of people are in worry and fear, God doesn't want you in worry You know, he wants you to be confessing trust in him, daily trust in him, not repeating what you're hearing on the news. You need to let your confession and the word of your mouth be in alignment with what God is saying over you and over your family and over the moment that you're in. So you could get out of bed and speak out of your feelings. Oh no, it's all going wrong. I don't know if we're going to have enough this month. Or you can say, no, I'm going to bring my speech and my confession in alignment with God's word that says, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want, I shall not lack any good thing. My barns will be filled and my vats will overflow. My tithe is in the house. The windows of heaven are open above my life. As the Father gave daily bread to the children of Israel, my Father in heaven knows what I need before I ask. Jesus has taught me he knows everything I need before I ask. And he says to me, do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. So my confession is coming into alignment even though everything around me is negative. My declaration is I will not worry. I will not worry. I will not worry. He'll cause ravens to come to feed me. Widows a position for me I will prosper in a time of famine continue to prosper I'm going to bring my confession into alignment with the promise of God and then the deficit of experience will be repaired now this is old truth isn't it confession master in the mouth but we need to watch our mouth more than ever and be careful concerning the words that we're speaking over our lives, over situations, and over others. It's just a really, I just really felt the Lord saying to me, it's time to watch your mouth. Have you ever heard a parent say that to a kid? Watch your mouth, young man. Oh, why? Because what's coming out of the mouth of a child isn't delighting the ear of the parent. Or isn't in accordance to the will of a parent. And I think in some ways God in love and grace is saying to a lot of us at this time, watch your mouth young man. 
monitor the words that you're allowing out because words are not useless. Words are powerful. Your confession is a powerful thing where you speak and declare the things you believe to tr- be true for me in a man of who you are. So we need to be making sure that the words that we're speaking are in alignment with God's words and opinions and they're not words that are coming from soulishness or fear or the news that we're watching but rather we're being selective with the words that we choose to speak and we're being selective when we speak. Now again, if we start to backtrack down some old teaching that we've all heard before, words are creative. We remember again that words are creative, that words are like seeds, that your mouth is a seed dispenser. And words are like seeds. They land in ground and they produce things. Why are our words like seeds? Because we've been made in the image and the likeness of God. Though he remains sovereign God, we carry his likeness. As he spoke into nothing and void in the origins of Genesis, and things that weren't suddenly came into being, things were formed because he'd spoken, we need to understand that we carry a likeness to him, especially as the redeemed children of God. That when we speak, our words carry things. Now these are good verses you've all heard before. Proverbs 18.21 Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who speak reap the fruit of the words they say. That's how I unpack that proverb. Again, we could go to James, couldn't we? James speaks a lot about the tongue. But it can be the wildest of animals that starts the biggest of fires that we need to bridle the tongue. Why? Because the tongue releases words. And words are seeds that grow in our lives, the situations we're in, and the lives of those around us. I've dealt with too many children with low self-esteems because of what parents spoke over them to deny that this is true. Remember in the schoolyard, sticks and, uh, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Wrong. I've seen children that were drastically affected by bullying words that were spoken into them by bullies in a playground 40 years before. We need to understand that words are powerful. Why? Because words are creative. When we speak, we send words into the unknown and they begin to produce and produce harvests that we need to deal with in life. So if we have the ability to sow seeds that produce harvests with the words that we speak, why don't we release good seeds? What are good seeds? The seeds that actually come into agreement with the words of God, the things that he's speaking over our lives, the things that he's speaking over our situation, the thing that he's speaking over the lives that we're speaking to. Let's be found monitoring our mouths and releasing words that bring life. So again, all of these um, things keep coming to remind us that there's a great truth. I've been reminded a lot of statements that I've heard from faith, faith preachers over the last few days. Here's one of them. We live under the words that we speak. Isn't that an amazing statement? We live under the words that we speak. But we can also cause others, our children, 
to live under the words that we speak. So let's speak life. Let's speak truth. Let's speak faith. Let's speak words that agree with God, not disagree. Now we know that another factor of what we're talking about is the very real relationship. Again, I'm just reading from my journal, so forgive me if I keep trying to work out what I wrote because I can't even work out my own handwriting a lot of the time. Now, the very real relationship between the heart and the mouth, that your heart is the cistern, your mouth is the toilet bowl, if you want to use that as an example. And in moments where you're flushed, what's in the heart of you will be in the mouth of you or come from the mouth of you. So if you put pink dye in the cistern, when you're flushed, there'll be pink dye in toilet and overflowing from a toilet if it's blocked. Blue dye in the cistern, blue dye in the toilet. Faith in your heart, faith in your mouth. Fear in your heart, that's why Solomon in his wisdom taught us in the book of Proverbs, above all things, guard and protect your heart because out of it come the issues or the springs and the boundaries of your life. So we need to be making sure that our hearts are not filled with fear because God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. But our hearts are being filled with his word. Let the word of God dwell in you richly, Colossians. So that when we're in moments where we're flushed, what we hear and others hear come out of the bowl of our mouth are words that bring life, words that are in agreement with God, not words that are in agreement with Sky News. But sometimes you have to make a decision to wash your mouth out. That's another good parent-child statement, isn't it? You know, when I was a kid and a kid said something wrong, but they didn't, parents didn't just say, wash your mouth out. They got a bar of soap and shoved it in. Anybody else remember that? Am I, is that too old school? But if you learnt a word at school and you thought you'd teach mum and dad it at home, the next thing, they didn't tell you to wash their mouth out. You suddenly had a bar of pure or imperial leather in your mouth and you were spitting bubbles for the next eight hours. Everything you ate had a kind of telky taste to it. So what if the Heavenly Father in his love and his grace and his care for us isn't just saying, watch your mouth, he's saying, wash your mouth out. But if you've got negative words of unbelief, words of fear, words of dread, get those words out of your mouth. How do you get the words out your mouth? You get those things out of the cistern of your heart. How do you get fear out of your heart? By putting faith in. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. 
So when you're living in the Word, the Word is filling your heart, and the Word of God, which is the thoughts and the opinions of God, should fill your heart so that when you have a moment in life where something happens, suddenly that flushing in your life produces words of faith, and words of faith are words that agree with what God is saying, even if it's not the current experience, even if you're in a prison, you speak words that agree with a palace. Because words are creative. And you live under the power of the words you speak. Luke 6 verse 45. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So actually an issue in the mouth is often an issue in the heart. An issue in the heart is an issue of an unguarded heart. Put some bouncers on the door of your heart. You don't have to receive every package that's sent to you. You know, there was a prophet years ago, and he came up with a prophetic song called this. Return to sender. Address unknown. That's what you need to do with some of the packages that don't come from God to your heart, but they come from the enemy of your soul, the defeated, fearful one, sending fear to cause you. The Bible says in the book of Luke, Jesus says, in the end times, the, fear, the heart of men will fear them because of a fear of what's coming upon the earth. That's not us. That's not us. The hearts of men will fear them because of a fear of what's coming upon the earth. Jesus was talking about now, but he wasn't talking about us. He was talking about a people that would live with peace-filled hearts in fear-filled times. Why? Because there are people that guard their hearts. When there's a delivery to my heart, it has to come through the bouncer of me, but also the bouncer of the peace of heart that guards my heart because I've made my petitions known to God and he's given me a peace that guards my heart that passes all understanding and transcends all natural reasoning. So I've got two doormen with bold heads and big black coats standing at the door of my heart. So when the devil sends a package, fear, it comes and knocks at the door of my heart the bouncers say you're not coming in, but I open the letterbox and I go, Return to sender! Address unknown! No such number! No such zone! I had a quarrel! You know, I just start through the letterbox. You're not coming in because if you get into my heart, you'll affect my heart. And then you'll affect the confession of my life. And the confession of my life is powerful because the words I speak are creative. And I need things to turn for the better, not for the worse. But some Christians just need to stop and listen to themselves. Sometimes it's hilarious. It's like, oh, I've heard there's a virus in town. I just know I'm going to get it. Lord, that's an example. That's not my confession. I'm just pretending I'm one of them. All right, that's not me, all right? But have you ever heard those Christians? Oh, I always get anything that comes to town. Oh, the economy's crashing, that's me done. You're like, wow. Your heart's full of something, but it's not faith. Your toilet bowl is 
leaking something. But it's not faith. So we need to understand that the declaration of our life, this is, according to Romans 10.9, even how salvation works. There's no bigger thing in your life than the eternal salvation of your soul from separation to union with God for all eternity. But according to Romans, it says that a man confesses with his mouth and believes in his heart and he is saved. Okay. So if the synchronization or the synergy of heart belief and mouth confession can produce the eternal salvation of a fallen soul and the rebirth of a dead spirit, what else can't be changed? What else can't be changed? If that recipe works for saving your eternal soul, what else can't be moved? What, are, what mountain can't be cast out? What situation may be changed? What, what can't happen if the saving of your soul is the direct response or reaction to you believing in your heart Christ is your saviour and you confessing it unto salvation? So, okay, why don't we take that way of working and apply all the promises of God? If there's a deficit in your finances, don't agree with the deficit. Walk through the pathway of saying, Holy Spirit, am I doing something stupid? Is there disobedience in my life? Is there unbelief in my life? Are you, am I in a moment where you're teaching me something? And the Holy Spirit will always respond. But sometimes we just need to stop and listen to what we're speaking. What we're confessing. Because the words that we speak are activated seeds that create the moment they lose our, lose our lips or uh, leave our lips. Let's bring this in for a bit of a close. We need to all in this season be replacing the words that we've been speaking that don't agree with his words, with his words. Other words that come from soulishness. Now don't get me wrong, flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. Your flesh isn't just your skin, it's the nature of who you were before God made you spiritually alive. Sometimes your flesh wants to speak. Because your flesh is also your emotions, your memories. It's that place, that inner man within you, where you made decisions and was in charge until Holy Spirit came in and took control. We've got to make sure that our soul isn't still speaking when it hasn't got a right to speak. But the words that we're speaking are spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. Okay, Lord, I'm in this situation. I'm reading your Bible. <clears throat> and my current life experience isn't in alignment with what you're saying it should be. There's a deficit in my life, Lord. I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to try and pretend anything here. Okay, where do I get started? Lord, I'm washing my mouth out with the confession I've been using that doesn't agree with your truth. And I'm replacing in my heart your word regarding that area.
And I'm choosing today that the words I speak will align and agree with what you've said will happen here. Not what my soul fears or the enemy wants me to be crippled by. I choose to speak life, not death. I choose to build up with my words, not pull down. I choose belief in speech, not unbelief. Now, people may stand around you and say, who are you kidding? Are you like in some fake world? No, I'm in the real world. You're in the fake one. Because these words I'm speaking are coming from a kingdom that can't be shaken. The words you're speaking are speaking from a kingdom that is being shaken. Come on. The words of Jesus were spirit and truth. So we need to understand that we're called to a faith walk. We walk by faith and not by sight, senses. We walk by what we believe, not what we sense. But if we walk by what we believe and not what we sense, we must speak according to what we believe and not what we sense. Because the faith walk, actually, I believe, in many ways, starts in the mouth of the believer. But we speak words based upon our faith in what he's promised the outcome of what we're experiencing will be. Not out of dread. Now, I was also reminded of something, and I actually, actually apologise to God about something because I used to kind of mock them a little bit, you know. And that's when I used to always turn on my TV and listen to a faith preacher. And it wasn't what they were saying, it was how they were saying it more than anything, you know. And I could always remember they would open the Bible, some of these guys, and they would go, all right, turn to your neighbor. Turn to your neighbor. Say after me, this is my Bible. And you you hear this, this is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. And I have what it says I have. Amen. Suddenly I'm walking around the kitchen the last couple of weeks going, I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. And I moved from knowing to knowing as I ought. Because you know you're knowing as you ought when you're living and walking in the truth of what you say you know. So we need to begin to wash our mouths out, I believe. God's got incredible plans for this moment that we're in. He's got incredible plans for you. Maybe you're reading things in the Word regarding your health. And there's a current deficit between what the Lord has said and what you're currently experiencing. We're not asking you to step into the courtroom of denial. But we're asking you to meet the Lord on the platform of faith. Father, I speak what you say over my body. I speak that it may come and a thousand may fall to the left. (laughs) 
and a thousand may fall to the right, but it shall not come nigh my dwelling. Father, I speak your word over my health, but Lord, the Holy Spirit that now lives in me, the pneuma of who you are, now living in me, quickens my mortal body, brings life to my mortal body. Even my physical frame is affected by the the treasure within the jar of the clay of who I am. God, seep within me today and remove every sickness from my body. Lord, I declare for those who fear your name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wing. We need to change what's coming out of our mouth, not by mental assent or behaviour modification, but by guarding our hearts and monitoring what we're feeding our hearts. Don't spend more time watching the news than what you do reading the Word. Don't spend so much time I'm reading the paper and talking to your neighbours, letting them deliver to your heart fear and dread. This is a time for the people of God to wash out their minds, actually wash their minds with the Word of God, get their hearts filled with God's promises, filled with what God says He can do, filled with what God says He can turn around, filled with stuff, so that when we come out of a time with the Lord, we come out saying, you're my way maker, you're my miracle worker, oh, you're my light in the darkness. You know, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you will, because you promised you would. I don't know who you're going to use, but I'm choosing to trust you, God, in all of my ways. Lean not to my own understanding or reasoning, but acknowledge you in every situation. And as I do, you've promised to direct my paths. What have I got to worry about, God? You took 40 years walking with people in disobedience. You promised them bread every day and every day there was bread to eat. They struggled with trusting you. They tried to store it up. It didn't work out because you were teaching a plan of daily trust. They were in disobedience. We're in obedience. Why would the Heavenly Father not give us our daily bread? When Jesus said he would. Why would the shepherd not take care of the sheep when he says he's our great shepherd? We've got to begin to get our speech in order. Because faith comes by and hearing by. Now here's my final thought. Sadly, many people don't know but you are the greatest preacher in your life. You are the greatest preacher in your life. Even now, I'm preaching pretty good, but the preacher in you is saying, yeah, I believe that, or I don't believe that. And you're going to be affected by the preacher within you more than the preacher who's speaking to you. So we need to make sure the preacher within us is preaching and speaking words that are correct. Because faith coming by hearing is brilliant when your faith's lifted by listening to a man or a woman of God. But you know how much more powerful it is when you hear yourself preaching the word in the midst of the lion den.
in the midst of the famine, in the midst of the moment that you're in, suddenly you stand up in your life as the preacher and begin to say, I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know he will because he promised he would. I don't know how he's going to use, who he's going to use, where it's coming. But I don't need to worry about those things. All I need to worry about is, wait a moment, did he say he would do it? He said he would do it, so he's going to do it. And like Pastor Colin taught us, when my hands are on, his hands are off. When my hands are off, his hands are on. When I move aside, he moves in. And God will make a way where there seems to be no way. You see, he works in ways we cannot see. My God, he'll make a way for me. Come on, God's making a way right now. Some of you are like Joseph in the prison and you've forgotten the vision of the palace. You're in transition. He's talking and taking you on a journey. Now when the Lord began to say to me, there's a deficit in the words that you're speaking and the words that I'm speaking, Andrew. He always calls me Andrew, him and my mum called me Andrew. When I heard his voice once audibly, Andrew. And I went down, I was terrified. My mum said to me, well, what did you think? I thought he'd go, Andy. Andrew. Now, when God spoke to Andrew in the last couple of weeks, he wasn't angry. He just wanted me to realise something. It's imperative that the words that I'm allowing out of the seed dispenser of my mouth over words that are in alignment and agreement with what he is and has spoken over the moment or the situation. So now I visit that verse in Corinthians and I say, thank you, Lord. You have given me all sufficiency. Thank you, Father. But wait a moment, nothing's changed. No, but it's changing. And the way I encourage it to change faster is I agree with God, not disagree. Thank you, God. You're making me rich in every way. So that, God, I am going to be the most generous man that walks the earth. I'm going to get you so much praise by the generosity of my life, God. Father, thank you that in all things, at all times, I have sufficiency. You've made me the lender, no longer the borrower. God, I'm the top, not the tail. Well, I don't feel it. Stop. No one's asking you how you feel. No one's asking, and God's not asking how you feel. He's not asking you how you feel. We've made him such a feeling God. He's saying, I'm not asking you how, well, I don't feel like I've got all sufficient. No one's asking you how you feel. Nobody wants to hear the nonsense of your soul. (laughs) Not even you. You've got to stop listening to the nonsense of your soul. Feelings. 
Nothing more than feeling. Come on, get faith. Faith in the heart. Faith in the mind. Faith on your lips. Faith in the promises of God. Father, help us. Father, help us. Father, help us. Lord, we're all conscious that at times we've allowed our mouth to get out of control. But we've not put the bridle or the guard in our mouth at times when we should have. Father, thank you that your word says you're faithful to forgive and cleanse all unrighteousness when something's confessed. Father, forgive us for not watching over our mouths as we should. Today, Father, we step into a new way of living and we say, Father, let the word of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. Let the word of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in agreement with your opinion, O God. Father, I speak blessing on this church. I release seeds of blessing. I say your best days are ahead of you. If God is for you, then who can be against you? I speak over to you in a land of famine. You will sow seed. And as Isaac, you will sow and you will prosper. You will continue to prosper. And you will become very prosperous to the degree that the Philistines, the unsaved around you, will be envious of the blessing of God upon your lives. I just pray and I thank you, Father, that the blood of Jesus isn't on the building. It's on every life in this place. That the plague has to pass by because it seems is the blood of Jesus on the lentil of the life and we know the blood's on the lentil. We declare today that your blood is on the lentil of our life. So sickness and death have to pass on by. It can't come on through the door. We say to it through the window, walk on by do 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 walk on by. You can't come in because of the blood of the lamb. We declare over this place that it's filled with a people who are washed in the blood and born of the Spirit. We say that the Spirit has given birth to this place. This is a ministry and a work of the Spirit, not a work of the flesh. It's only the flesh that dies in COVID days. It's not the Spirit. And everything that's of the Spirit in this house is alive and quickened, ready for what God's going to do next. We speak revival over Taunton. We speak multitudes coming in. We speak the lost will be saved. Their heads turned. We speak that every life-giving, spirit-filled church in this town will be filled and have problems accommodating the harvest that's coming in. We declare that you have a plan for Taunton where people just begin to queue up to get into the house. We declare today a day of miracles that you are a God of signs and wonders and you will begin to heal people on the streets. We pray harvest and declare harvest. We declare there will be no lack in this house. We declare the Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. 
we declare that you put a table for us in the presence of our enemies, that you're the God who causes our cup to overflow. We declare that you're the God who makes us sufficient for all things, that we can be generous Not as we can, but as we want to. God, we are blessed going out and we are blessed coming in. Our livestock and our dogs are blessed. Come on. Our livestock and our dogs are blessed. Our families are blessed. Our church is blessed. My children are blessed. My household is blessed. My wallet is blessed. Don't you tell me he can't do it. (laughs) Don't you tell me he can't do it. Come on. We release faith. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Come on. This is based. His words are based upon his faithfulness and his ability to do the things we think he can. And the things we don't think he can, but he's going to prove us wrong. Father, we thank you. We bless your name. Let our hearts be flushed with faith. Let the confession of our mouth be one that takes us in the direction we truly want to go. For your name's sake, be glorified. Amen, 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 amen. Hey, if you're watching at home... I hope you were charging around the living room because we were charging around the living room here. I hope the presence of God filled you at home and boy, you're rushing around like a lunatic just preaching to your neighbours right now or something. I don't know what's going on, but it's been a joy to be with you. If anyone's here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, please come and talk to me afterwards. It would be a delight to lead you into the kingdom of God. God bless. Brilliant. Brilliant. Oh. Have you been flushed? Tell somebody next year I've been flushed. If you're on your own at home, I've been flushed. The Lord has spoken. And I'm going to be a preacher in my own life. Are you? And not listen to the negative, fearful. I mean, do you know? I want you to think, imagine your energy bill. Let's make it real. Uh, Yeah, come on. What are you going to say? I'm going to say something. Do you want to say something? He wants to say something. When they said the energy was going up by 54%, um, God spoke to me and he said, do you not think I can put 54% more in your jar when you collect manna today? Do you not know that everyone that needed enough for four kids got enough for four kids? Everybody that needed enough for ten got ten. Everyone went out with their jar each day and they gathered the provision of the Lord and there was more than enough for everything they needed. And the Lord said to me, stop talking about the 54% and start um, celebrating the extra 54% I'm putting in your manna jar of your daily provision. It's what you choose to agree with. And that's the practical outworking of the season that we're listening to news and we're all experiencing a change naturally. But if you want to change your ability, change your words and your heart. And it's a vital message in every area. 
This is not Americanism. This is Bible-based Christianity. This is the true Christian life. And I, I believe there are people who need new jobs here. Are there anybody? My God shall supply all your needs. If there's anybody who needs work, jobs, there's going to be an abundance. There's going to be favor your way. Favor's coming your way. And God's going to give you favor to enter into what you cannot do yourself. Because that's what God's favor does. It brings you into stuff you can't do. And I declare that over you. If you need work or you need a job, God's favor is on your life. And he's going to give you something that will enable his kingdom to advance. But there is a secret to the financial thing. And it is in giving. Pastor Andy touched on it. It's this obedience to bring the tithe. And I cannot, I just... Some of you might think, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting money. I'm not even going to take an offering. But God wants you blessed. But it only comes God's way. And it's foolish to live without going God's way. Bring the whole tithe, which is the whole 10%. He made it easy because I'm not good at figures. I can do the 10% thing. Into the storehouse, the local church. Test me, prove me. And this manna jar, this oil jar, this jar of provision, it's never ending. You're never going to run out and you will have more than enough for every good work. And so this message is a life-changing message. It's a church-changing message. It's a community and a nation-changing message. Abraham got it and it's time we lived in the footsteps of Abraham. Pastor Andy, cracking. Word of God. Thank you so much. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.